Welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Jennifer Davis Page in studio with B.B. Peters and Dr. Andrea Gould-Marx. This month, our country has experienced the murders of three African-American citizens at the hands of police officers. We have invited Darrell Bakeman, our friend and supporter, to add her voice to this important topic on race in America. Can I ask you, uh, ladies, a question? Why do you think, what was the pivotal key point that George Floyd's death uh, triggered? Why weren't we, all of us, as inflamed when Breonna Taylor was killed. That to me is like to be broken into your home and shot dead in your bed is, I can't even fathom, I can't even put my thoughts up around that. We didn't see it. We didn't, we didn't see, see it. See it. That's, okay. that's the difference. We did not see yes. um, a tape and the yes. and hatred on yes. this officer's face as he had that his knee on that black man's neck. Be That's clear about this, right? And it's two it's things, Jennifer. It's what you said. It's not just, you're right. Usually we see the victim on the ground and the dash cam looking at the victim. Exactly. We don't get to see the yeah. perpetrator. You got exactly. to see the perpetrator and the victim. You got, and you got to draw your conclusions from, your, from seeing that. And that heartless man with his glasses on his head, his hands in his pocket, with his knees stuffing the life out of someone, and he's right. hollering, I can't breathe, and you're acting like, I don't hear you. But it was insane. The interesting thing is that the person that was taking the video was a 17-year-old black girl. Mm-hmm who was not going to be deterred when he told her that he was going to spray her with pepper spray if she didn't leave. She was, she was focused, and she was not fearful, and she made all the difference in the world. Amen. I just got goosebumps when you said that. I didn't know that piece. Oh, yeah. She did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why don't they say that every night? Well, you, you have to be obsessed with looking at things. things <laughs> like <laughs> Well, you know, must have obsessions about this. <laughs> well, I, I think that Bibi's question is is really a good question for a lot of people. We need to talk about that because the, the truth is, I don't know, people were marching with a sign, right? I am my brother's keeper, mm-hmm. right? So that's another, like, sub-value. Um, I think we were talking before you got here that ideal, idealism is front and center now. You know, and that's what is magnetizing so many people. You know, aside from the racism question, there's a need to galvanize around ideals. And that seems to fluff out the crowd even a little bit more, that this is something to believe in. This is something to take action on. This is something to feel good about. So I want to go back to your question earlier. Why this event? Because I think it's important to focus on that for a minute because there are a lot of contributing parts to that. Just, you know, just because we're having an open discussion. Right. Yes, as Jennifer has said, it was because we saw both the perpetrator and the victim. And we could draw our own conclusions without interpretation from commentators or anyone else. 
people were able to draw their own conclusions, which meant they could connect with what they saw. And that initiated an emotion, a feeling in them, and a response, okay? And that's the difference. And I have to admit, the first week I was hollering and screaming at the television, and I was upset. And I wanted terrible things to happen to that officer. And I even said it out loud because I thought he was, I thought it was looking at the devil incarnate because yeah. anybody that was that callous with no humanity in them at all, I just couldn't, just watching that was just, uh, just too much. Horrifying for everyone. Horrifying. But the second part, I told Jennifer this too, I said, but when the protest started, it changed everything for me because I looked and I saw young people, I saw old people, I saw black people, I saw white people, I saw Muslims, I saw a rainbow of people that were determined and intentional to change this nonsense. Change which, which, which we did not see 50 years ago. That's right. That's right. right. It was, it was, and let me tell you, now this is diversion, but I think it's a point if you guys, we're setting the tone for the upcoming conversations you're going to have. Yes. I think it's important that you understand some things. And this is just, you know, just in general, it's not like I'm an authority, but I do pay too much attention. Okay. That's all I, that's all I can say. I just pay too doggone much attention to it. The, the, reality of race. And I think it's good not to talk about racism. You know why? We've been talking about racism for 401 years since they mm -hmm. brought us over in the boat. And mm -hmm. what have we done about it? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now we've already established we all have certain types of hearts. So nobody's going to take anything Darrell says personally, because this is not intended. This is only for uh, uh, us to have a broad stroke of how not only people in our age group, but those young people that are willing to go out past curfew and, and by any need possibly get arrested for protesting, they have a different perspective of things than we have, okay? Because they want, they're already saying, I will die for this. I will die for this. I don't care if I get arrested. That's how I felt in the 60s, okay? I, I didn't care. We had to change things. So the difference in this scenario and what has transpired is that, and this is first the racism. It's racism is the ism. You know, you can say racism and put over there and say, I'm not a racist because I don't see, you know, I don't see color. And I'm gonna send you guys a piece about that that I found on the, uh, that would be interesting for you to read it. But yeah. the real issue is this. We can't change racism can't change the situation, systemic, systemic racism, because we, unless, unless white people understand that we, black people, can't change it. Mm -hmm. It's a white people problem. They control everything. We don't have the power to change it. We've been trying for 401 years. It only changes when white people like yourself, you're saying, what can we do to help? Because of the way your heart is, knit, is knitted. Only until white people decide that it's a problem will it change. And that's what's happening now. Okay, that's, that's what's happening now. And let's be clear about that. 
And the other thing I want to say, when you say that, okay, it's a white people's problem, what does that mean to? It means that you have to examine not racism, that thing over there, but white privilege. Because that's what fuels racism. Because that's the issue at hand. White privilege, entitlement. Those are the things that color the way people feel. Because they really don't know how to feel any other way unless they have hearts that are knitted the way we talked about in the beginning. And too many people that happen to be white haven't had those experiences and they don't have those kinds of hearts. And they're the problem. They don't want to be the problem because they have this ism over here. Oh, I have white friends. I have black friends. Oh, I'm nice to black people. But they have no idea how they contribute to the problem by their mm-hmm. attitude and their belief system. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to put that out on the table for you as you formulate this audience dialogue that you Absolutely. want. And that's what Acho was saying. He was on Stephen Colbert last night. And that's why he was saying, this is something that white people need to come to terms with, or at least start talking about mm-hmm. themselves. And in terms of change, I mean, here, you know, I'm in my element, right? I mean, that's all, all I do is behaviorally, socially, watch the way people manifest their behavior. In terms of change, the first thing, it's like growing something in a garden, you've got a rototill. You've got to get those spikes in there and you've got to disrupt the soil. And I do believe that that is happening because guess what? We were all talking about COVID. Now we're all talking about this. And the contagion, the social contagion, I can't, I keep saying it. We, We got sensitized to contagion. Let's capitalize on the contagion while we can. I'm going to send you guys some books to read about white uh, fragility. Uh, there, there are a lot of, and there, there's, in terms of the movement, I've got a whole list of the, see, Black people have been working on this forever. This is why I said, this is really a white, racism is, it's a privilege, white privilege is something that's got to be worked on. But Black people have, every time there's a situation, there are organizations and groups that have been coming up with principles and things that they want to see changes. They've got reams and reams of paper. Philanthropy has invested in this. It's, it's been going on. So now everybody's turning to those organizations for what to have happen. Black Lives Matter has some growing to do, but they are their, their slogan is the one that we're going with. And, you know, they've been working hard and people have been ignoring them and not taking them very seriously, but they've been working very hard. And they're youngins. They're Generation Z. They're not even X. They're not really millennials. And, you know, that's an interesting generation and a statistic I want to get. How old are Generation Z? Are they like 19 to 25 or 26 or something? I should be able to tell you exactly because I'm... They were actually born after the millennial. Uh, yeah, they're the ones afterwards. So let me see if my eyes will tell me. I'll tell you exactly what they are. What are we going to do after Z? Okay, Generation Z is... <laughs> okay, millennials end at age 22. They were the, the early age of anybody born before um, 1979. I'm sorry, after 79, I'm not thinking. Yeah, that's your Z generation, okay? And and do you know that they're going to be, they're 40, 90, 49% of the, of the Z generation is non-white. So that's also what's fueling this. I think you need to factor that statistic into this discussion. That's why they're out there protesting. They don't want this world to, because they're people that they interact with, that they go to school with, that they play sports with, 
they're not they're not all white. Yeah. <laughs> 49% are non-white. Can I just go back for one second to what you said, um, Darrell? And that is, you said uh, that in 401 years or so, um, no change has been made. In my heart, I feel like by saying that completely, it kind of takes away from the value that Martin Luther King lived and died for. That I think that there is some, and, and other people as well. Uh, so I feel like change has been made. Slavery was abolished. I think it should have never been present. That's my thought on it. But there were changes made during the years but I totally understand what you're saying now that we're just, now we're at the tipping point of making a greater change, the change that has been needed so much more. But I do want to honor what has been said, what has been done in the past. I want to raise my hand on, on this because it's very eye-opening for me. And I think I spoke to you about it, Phoebe. Um, we watched a three-part series on Ulysses S. Grant which was extremely interesting to me. And it was just like at the beginning of all of this, uh, you know, all of the um, protests. And so it was very timely. The part that was so fascinating to me that I didn't really know was what didn't happen during Reconstruction. How quickly the ideal that whatever we thought the North won, I mean, it was, I learned so much more about what was at stake. N nothing really good came of it except I think segregation yeah and that was just survival not anything good the Jim Crow era you know it was just as punishing only in a different way hi everyone this is Dr. Andrea for Boom Goddess Radio today we're inviting you our listening audience to write blog record or otherwise communicate your observations photographs, or other kinds of creativity that are capturing your attention during this period of sheltering at home. Please write to us at info at boomgoddess.com or send us a note on Facebook at Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you because it's your experience that inspires us and powers our future programming. So from all of us to all of you, Stay safe, healthy, and open to new awarenesses. Children aren't born to be racist. They learn it. It's, it's a, it I think it's learned from families. And I think that when you're raised in a, in a good family, you don't see any of that. You see, like these young kids now, years ago, 50 years ago, Black girls didn't date white boys. White boys really didn't date black girls. But now these kids are dating everybody. Yes. I mean, they don't see they don't see they don't see color. I mean, I you see young beautiful black girls with white guys and vice versa. You know what I was going to say, BB, to respond to you. I'm so thankful that someone who's come here from someplace else can look at this country and say, look at all the things that have happened. Those are things and situations that have happened, and they are good, and nobody's right. taking away from it. Right. The problem is it didn't change very many people. 
Right. We didn't deal with those hearts. Right. Right. And that's why um, you hear the people who are activists in this whole stuff talking about white people have to understand white privilege because they're trying to get them to focus in on themselves and how they contribute to the problem because they never, if they vote for Barack Obama, I'm not racist. I voted for Barack Obama. If they have one friend who they sit next to at church, I'm not racist. My best friend at church is black. It, it just, it takes it away from who they are. They don't have to deal with it. You know, that you have to deal with privilege. Privilege is about you. And that's how you, you change people one heart at a time. And that's the language of the day. You must, it's not racism. Racism is a part of privilege. Is the, you know, privilege is a part of racism, but privilege is the problem that needs to be focused on to bring about the change. So what do you think um, if there were, I mean, education is a big part of it. Like I was saying, you know, just even watching that NPR public, you know, or whatever it was, History Channel, was really eye-opening for me. You know, reading any of the books I ever read growing up about Harriet Tubman, that was eye-opening for me. There's plenty of educational material out there. And just to your point about babies, so Ibrahim, um, why don't I remember his last name? Can y'all? You know who I mean? Ibrahim, I-B-R-A-I-M. He wrote a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist, and so he's been interviewed all, all over TV. But he got uh, this guy named Reynolds, who is a young adult person, to do a young adult book on how not to be a racist or how to be anti-racist. And then he decided that he was going to make a board book for babies. Sesame Street, you know, has been trying mm -hmm. to here to work mm -hmm. with the group. The only parents that don't need that are the ones that don't know how to, <laughs> are uncomfortable with, with, that, that are, that don't. Model it. Right. Right. <laughs> they don't have it in them that, you know, it's not, for those that, say for some of those, for those that deal with black people, they don't need to know how to do this. They do it. Right, but they live it. Growing up in the suburban areas, like where BB did in Smithtown at the time, I don't think it's like that now. But you know, in the 1960s, um, yeah, no, no child ever. You know, that's where the chocolate mommy. That person is chocolate. Yeah, yeah, chocolate. Mm -hmm. So, BB, do you have that meme? I might have that meme. Yes, I have it. Uh -huh. Money too. Uh, so, Andrew, is this what you were talking about, what we posted on Instagram? So, um, well, I want to know what um, Jennifer and um, yes. Jarrell think of that. Yeah. Can you put it up? Right. You can yeah, no, I'll uh, read it to you. It's very quick. Okay. White privilege, uh, white privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It means that your skin color isn't one of the things making it harder. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to send, when you send me your emails, I'm going to send you a couple of things that will help you and just, you know, just information. 
and you can choose to use it however you like, you know, but one thing, because I'm too cute in, I told Jennifer I couldn't work less. I, I'm, I'm an old activist, you know, way back when, and I just, I'm drawn to politics. I'm drawn to what's going on that you can do in your life to make a difference. I'm just wired like that. So I tend to tend spend too much time in it. And I'm, I really have to apologize for that. But. I don't think so. I love, I love your passion. I think I was just going to say before that you're a treasure. We all are. Not that we're all not. Yeah, we, we all are because of our hearts. And I'm not, you know, and I refuse to let either any, either, any of us feel any differently. We have different experiences, but we have the kind of hearts that the world needs now. And I think that's so critical to understand that. 100%. You know, it just... You know, that's what makes it possible for us to have this discussion. Yeah, you know, in any change that anybody has to take on, let's just say somebody has to lose weight or a lot of weight, they can't come from a place of hatred, self-hatred. They have to come from a place of caring for the self in a loving way. Right. Right? That's the only way anybody grows. It's the only way anybody has the courage, courage, right, from the heart to be able to take on what seemingly impossible jobs. I mean, it's right, like raising children. <laughs> oh, here. I'm going to get this dog. Well, and also, I think, you know, while our mission at Boom Goddess has never been to talk about politics and religion, um, in my heart, in my eyes, it's sure a lot of it comes down from the very top. So, um, so, then that takes me to the power that we have in the vote, right? And how we vote for people, how we vote for people on the local level, how we vote for on the national level, and like be the leader that you want to be, that you want to see in others. And um, these young people are doing just that because right. when I when I first had the privilege to vote, I never thought about the local races. I wanted to vote for the president of the United States. I never thought of the local races, and nor did I know how important they were. These young kids now know the importance of every uh, every level of of of, um, of politics. Uh, just like we were talking about privilege earlier, I think it's going to be easier for women, white women to talk about privilege than it is for black, for white men to talk about privilege because mm -hmm. for some of them, for some of them, not all, for some of them, um, uh, um, <laughs> it's very threatening. I'll just say it like that. Now, here's an example of, of our, when I, we grew up, Jennifer, we could be doctors, lawyers, social workers, teachers. That was kind of the professions that we mm -hmm. aspired to, to have. Those were open to us. Mm -hmm. um, when I talk to my friends who are white, who have children, even my children's age, they, they, many of them don't go to college. It's no condemnation of that, but they don't. And, and they want to be police officers. They want to go to the service or they want to be firemen. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then you have black people who now have gone to college and they have degrees and they're educated and we're firemen, we're policemen, <laughs> we're, you know, we go to the service. That's, that's there. Or we work at a factory. Mm -hmm. No information. It's not fair to use this term. This is not castigating. This is, this is just saying that they were threatened. They were threatened by 
the fact that maybe somebody is getting a little ahead of where I can go. And that, if that thing, I feel like for a lot of people that fit in to, into a lot of the decisions that were made in terms of voting. I find that people who are of a more uh, informed, informational world don't think like that. They look at the total person in terms of how they, how they vote. Now, this is just because you said you wanted to talk about voting and we're mm -hmm. talking about race mm -hmm. and I'm bringing mm -hmm. up oh, other subject matters related. It's all related. Women are spaghetti. Men are compartmentalized. Yep. Yep. But everything is. So let me let me ask you about this because this irks me and I don't understand it. Most of the black basketball players, most of the basketball players are African American men, if they're even American yet, right? They bring them in, right? And and the and the owners of the um, teams. Who are white, what, right? Right, what the statistics are in all sports. But basketball and football, to me, seem like they're, you know, 90% black. You know, I'm just guessing, 90% black. What's up with that? Why are those people who are so revered in those situations? I think they're coming forward now. But, I mean, why is that not a balancing force? These people make millions of dollars. In balance, in terms of, I don't understand. In, ter in terms of, of male helping, the movement, helping the movement, you mean? Yes, male leadership. Yeah. Male, black male yeah. leadership. Yeah. They are in their own way. A lot of them are coming out now. A lot of them are. You know, some of them were just, some were just athletes. That does, and they made a hell of a lot of money. That doesn't mean that they have what it takes. Right. To step forward and be that leader. Now, the other oh, day, now you all, you know, let's be clear, Colin Kaepernick stood out in the biggest way that he could and possibly. Right. What happened to him? You see what well, happened? Now he's being rehearified. He is yeah, being rehearified. Right. At, what, at what cost? At what at cost? For four years, he's not been able to make a living. He was one of the finest quarterbacks in the league, and he's not been able to make because. The NFL misunderstood. I mean, they didn't even know why he was taking a knee. But right. but the other day I read that Michael Jordan, who has always been silent, okay, after the knee to the neck of, of, of George Floyd, ain't silent no more, okay? He has donated $100 million to the cause. Okay. And what about some of the act? What about Denzel Washington? Well, okay. he's always been involved. He's well, always Denzel been has always been quite why, why doesn't he run for president? <laughs> because women would just look at him all day long. Well, it's getting to be almost an hour that we've been talking so that we can think about, you know, just some closing comments. Uh, but this feels to me like a very open, fruitful, uh, and inspiring conversation. Yeah. Well, I would like all the all the men and women that listen to our podcast that will be listening to this podcast to please contribute to it. Please send us information. Send us questions that you're interested in getting answers to. Send us your opinions on this topic and if you'd like to hear more of it and and from what angle uh so that we can in fact uh, address it thank you and, so much and we thank, thank you.
for joining us today, Darrell. Thank you okay, so much. Okay, and I'm going to send this to Bibi. You sent me the link, and I'm going to send you this article and some names right. that, that I know will be helpful for you. That's fantastic, honey. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Okay, everyone. So we're shutting down, okay? Yep. Signing off. Signing <laughs> Great to see everybody. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.